I'm James Hayes and you're very welcome to episode 4 of the Sideline Cut podcast. On the show this week, in football we reviewed two rounds of Premier League action. Obviously no um, no football this weekend with the FA Cup but Liverpool keep rolling. In GAA we preview last weekend's All-Ireland Club Finals and we preview the first weekend of National League action in both hurling and football. In rugby, Munster crash out of the Heineken Cup, Leinster and Ulster make the quarterfinals and we speak about the Finn Russell drama in Scotland 10 days out from their Six Nations opener with Ireland. Joe will treat us to another topic from the annals of world sport. Dinner will test our sporting knowledge with Bamboozled. And as always, we'll finish with Take 5 where you, the listener, can take us on in a game of predictions with this week's games. Remember to check us out across all our social media at, at sideline underscore cut on Twitter and Instagram and at the sideline cut on Facebook. And if you would like to send us an email, sport at the sideline cut.com. Joe and Dillon are here as always. How are you lads? Well, James, those things. How are we getting on? Did you, uh, did you get over that heartbreaking loss at the weekend? Uh, yeah, it was fairly heartbreaking, all right. I suppose for the boys, I suppose it's more heartbreaking for them. Uh, I'd say there'll be a bit of regret there on their end, but uh, they've done the club proud, done done the parish proud, and uh, that's all you can that's all you can ask them really. So yeah, I watched I watched the majority of it at two a.m. in Australia, um, and I thought uh, I thought to be honest, they were probably the better team. Uh, yeah, probably out hurled them for majority of the game, but uh, a lot of loose ball, a lot of wides. Uh, too, too, hail too. Too many, uh, too many efforts dropping into the keeper's hands. Yeah, no one sitting on the edge of the square, which was yeah. uh, unfortunate. But yeah, so how was how was Sydney, or Australia? Ah, sure. I still got to see hurling. I still got to see football, and even took in a little bit of cricket with the the Big Bash League. Um, yeah, sure. Look, we're back. We're back at it again. You know, so. Um, I suppose we'll, we'll start with football we can go through the, the club finals in, in a little bit football Liverpool United yeah that was always going to be the big game of the weekend wasn't it and um, a win over the old enemy for, uh, for Liverpool yeah it didn't make it easy for themselves again and it was something we kind of alluded to with the last game against United Liverpool dominated the game in large periods and could have had five or six goals before United managed to get a foothold and make life uncomfortable for Liverpool and the second goal in the end was just, I mean, United were committed. They had to score. It was as, They were as well off. It was 2-0 as 1-0. So put everyone forward, you may as well. So. Is there a reason to get worried, if you're a Liverpool fan, that they're not putting away the chances? No. Straight answer. 64 points out of 66. If anyone is worried about that, you can't enjoy watching football. Yeah, but like, like how many 1-0 how many wins? Loads. Yeah. I think I remember when they were on 20 wins, I saw the... Uh, the graphic on Sky I think it was 5-1-0 and 5-2-0 or 2-1 wins a lot of tight wins not blowing teams away like we used to but remember Liverpool of say say Salah's first season with the front three and scoring unbelievable goals with mm-hmm. two 7-0 wins in the Champions League group stage but then they were more liable to capitulate if they played that United game they could have been 4-0 up and they could have conceded three yeah. Whereas this Liverpool team score, control games, still do miss chances, but as long as you're creating chances, yeah, the, the as Shankly said, it's, it's, it's the early goal again, isn't it? If if Liverpool score against you early, you're in serious trouble. Yeah, you can't can put it back. They so dominate well. the game so much now, and yeah. it's brilliant to see. Elsewhere in the Premier League, I think the real highlight was probably Newcastle with their uh, last-minute heroics in both of their games yeah, in the last the, week. Two goals in what injury time against Everton? Yeah, it? Florian Lejeune brought off the bench. Uh, Centre half, right back, scored an overhead kick in the ninety fourth minute. Ah, stop, no. Got an almost accidental tap in then in the ninety sixth for a two all draw. Having just beat Chelsea in injury time as well, only a few days previous. Yeah, I think we're huge think week got, for um, Newcastle. We're kind of getting the same as as last year a little bit with the fourth spot for the Champions League, where nobody seems to want to take control of it. Everyone is losing games yeah. and dropping points. And yeah, United, Chelsea. I don't even think it's worth mentioning Arsenal in that conversation anymore at this point in the season. Yeah, probably too They're, far behind. They need to start looking below them right now and yeah. consolidating for next season. Yeah, That's what they need. You could build on the summer if they get maybe one signing this January, if they could, that would help the, the first team or even your kind of first 15, 16 players one of your first subs. But then they need to... Arteta needs to obviously he ha- seems to have a clearer plan than Emery did yeah. but he needs to turn that into something more tangible because they're actually 
at risk. Now, I think they'll be fine, but they're at risk of getting sucked into what could be an uncomfortable few weeks. There's probably enough class in the squad. There is, there is. I think there is. If you, Aubameyang and Lacazette will fire you enough goals to keep you in the league, at least. Yeah. I know, we shouldn't be talking about Arsenal staying in the league, but they're yeah. they're slipping. Yeah, it, would be, it would be a shock if they went down. Now, having said that, good point to win at Chelsea there, down to 10 men. Yeah, we went um, off uh, very early on. And a last-minute equaliser from the left foot of Hector Bellerin from outside the box. Um, getting back to United, like losing to Liverpool is one thing, but losing, yeah, that was nearly expected. Yeah, losing two 0 at home to Burnley—it's completely other thing. I mean, I, I've seen some some of the images from the game last night where, like, with 10-15 minutes to go, half the crowd was gone. Like, is is Ole in? Why? Is Ole in trouble? I think he is. I think he is. Uh, I mean, losing at Anfield, like right now, everyone knows what yeah. Liverpool are doing. There's no shame. Any team can come to Anfield and lose. Losing at home to Burnley. And it's not an isolated incident. There's been quite a few. I remember Aston Villa when Jack Reeler scored a great goal. Um, like Just consistently dropping points against those lower teams. We nearly expected them to up their game against Liverpool more than we expected them to beat Burnley at this stage. See, um, was there somewhere there, uh, 18% of United's goals this season have come against Norwich. Yeah, I think I read that stat as well. But I think Solskjaer's win percentage now in the Premier League is lower at United than it was at Cardiff. He's lost more games than he's won. And I think that's that's a fairly scathing indictment. That's not acceptable for a club the size of Man United. Yeah. Now, he'll probably get to the end of the season and there's a chance if Chelsea drop points. Like they're still only six points off fourth. If they squeeze into fourth, all of a sudden it's a good season. I don't know get back in the Champions League they still have the finances to attract big players if they have Champions League football it can be done they're 30 points behind Liverpool I personally don't think United are the t- or that Solskjaer is the team to the manager to do it with United do, do, do you cut ties now bring in the likes of a Pochettino and hope for the best that they can get a top four again Pochettino and we're going to talk about this in a while Like, he, I don't think he's won a managerial trophy yeah but does Man United he still not need someone I agree he's a top class manager and I really like him and how he does his job but but look what he done with a, an average Spurs team yeah I, I'd not. agree but this is a very average United team this is worse than the Spurs team that Pochettino took over I, I read something there it was like you look what Klopp and Liverpool have done and their signings have for the most part been you know fairly Brilliant. respectably you know when it comes to money and everything 800 million has been spent by United oh yeah it's like it's since, not just since Solskjaer. Ferguson left it's not just Solskjaer like yeah. it's their, their recruitment hasn't been up to scratch and they're on about how last summer was one of their best ones and it was because Daniel James looks good now he's fading a little bit but he's still young yeah um, who else Harry Maguire solid he's never going to shake that, pr- that tag he's not going to shake that price tag like it just no. it won't happen because he's going to be constantly compared to Van Dyke. Yeah, yeah. who's superhuman at this stage it's ridiculous and Juan Bissaka who looks a solid right back limited going forward but a solid right back he's turned inside out by uh, Bobby Firmino Uh, yeah but (laughs) who hasn't been at some stage this season Uh but in in general it's an improvement on what they had but he's still I can't imagine Man United winning the Premier League with all those players yeah unless you have your world class players around them They've got who? Who've United got in the FA Cup this weekend? Is it um, Watford? Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure off the top of my head. Um, and then you've got a, a second leg away to City next week for them in the. Yeah, three one down semi final of the League Cup. I can't see that. And United, United are waiting on two teams to play, aren't they? Not sure. No, I didn't have that much uh, of a look at the FA Cup. Yeah, league. either are. I mean, you've got two games there, cup games that don't like shouldn't be making a huge difference but it shouldn't be but if they could can end make, up costing him his job yeah and having said that if they can turn around the two goal deficit against City which is possible then you're looking at a cup final possible but improbable uh, yeah just I suppose uh, touching on it for FA Cup weekend nobody really yeah like that I mean I even I said there I haven't really had an in-depth look at the fixtures I flicked through to see if anything stood out and there wasn't a whole pile most interesting one was Coventry against Birmingham with Birmingham going to be playing away from home in their own stadium yeah which is odd just as a novelty I suppose remember yeah AC and Inter Milan were probably the biggest teams to do it regularly yeah but um, yeah they'll have to have the away changing room and the ticket allocation has been split down the middle 
So it's going to be a strange one. That's all. Other than that, FA Cup. Yeah, they're, it's they're close neighbours anyway. So the FA Cup is for teams at this stage of the season who have failed in their other goals. The likes of your Man United, maybe Arsenal. Another chance they could maybe do something. Mm. Those kind of teams. It's interesting. They usually build the way dressing rooms like irritate your opponents they they're do, usually yeah. built with flaws and things like that so it'll be interesting to see yeah I remember seeing the is it Middlesbrough's away change this was probably 10 years ago it was on probably Soccer AM or something and the walls were all like brown and like a moss green <laughs> and just kind of vomity colours yeah. it was right, awful uh, tour the Bolton Wonder Stadium and they said like the taps were purposely built to drip and <laughs> just little things like that there was like a flicker in the lights and just little things like that you love that pettiness just to make that little difference yeah. that small little edge crazy yeah. stuff isn't it yeah, it's just that little 90s professional athletes yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant um, there's a mirror just inside the um, the players entrance in Anfield and like the players come in the mirrors on one side on the left hand side and on the right hand side is the the, the liver bird so all Liverpool players come in they look on the right hand side of the liver bird and the crest and whatever and on the left hand side is the mirror the mirror is so subtle that it makes you seem shorter and a little bit fatter but it's not noticeable Brilliant. unless you're you know and the away team don't know what it is so they're all looking at the mirror and you know there's a guy there when you're doing the guy the tour and he's telling you you know it, it's not noticeable but if you're an away player and you're a soccer player and you come in and the hair is perfect and everything the last thing you want is say I look fat in that mirror it's just messing with their head straight away it's like. those little things it makes a difference sometimes often doesn't but Brilliant. remember Liverpool went down to West Ham one time when Sam Allardyce was managing there and they had to park the coach like half a mile away and walk up just to walk to the stadium <laughs> from there just, just to be a nuisance yeah very good very good um, nothing else in football on the GA action uh, we spoke about Bally Hale beating uh, Bursley in the All-Ireland Club hurling final um, again Ballyhale's seventh All-Ireland club title first time that they've retained the trophy um, three point win in the end again yeah. I suppose that the shining light on the day was probably Kelly Jerry Kelly yeah uh, six points from play and that sensational sideline there yeah, just um, it was brilliant incredible and, and I've seen someone he got a trial for the minors and didn't make it and wasn't even looked at for the 21s. Um, I suppose with Jerry, Jerry sometimes struggles with fitness. Like, uh, you might be, Tip might want to try and get him in ASAP. Um, to or put him on a, a strong regimen to bring him in later. Yeah, possibly. No, uh, fair play to Jerry. Well, he, he put lit, his hand he lit, up. He lit up Crow Park there. Uh, not too many players can say they got seven points up, up in the, the HQ. True, so, true. Um, um, I suppose, like, like we said, I mean, we're all a little bit biased here in this room, but um, to me, Boris probably had the better of it and, and missed more chances. And, like, it, it, you're always told that dropping a ball into the keeper's hand is a sin if you're going to put it anywhere, put it wide or over. Yeah, and it, it probably got, Valley Hale probably got three or four scores direct from ones that dropped into their goalkeeper's hands and counter attacking if it's even a yeah. thing in GAA, you know. I think it looked very bad. Uh, I think both teams had eight wides apiece, but Boris dropped, I think eight or nine shots in on top of the keeper yeah. it was ridiculous can't, can't be done at that level and on that stage you know no, especially against a team of Valley Hale standard you know it's it's they've been there they've done that you don't want to be giving them easy scores you know or, or letting them off the hook that easily yeah another interesting thing was there the puck outs they seemed to just keep wanting to drive them in which they weren't winning I'd say they won about four of their own puck outs like it was ridiculously poor no tactics just throwing them up yeah just throwing them up and like that half back line of Valley Hale they were all six foot and over like yeah. Do you know it was the same tactics that they they had against Bally Gunner but it worked that day they just yeah. weren't quick enough to change I think when, when we spoke about it you know you'd, you'd be worried about the likes of um, Reed and Fenley Fenley was kept very quiet very quiet very very quiet uh, TJ managed to get a few scores on the board alright unfortunately you know, so Boris you'd have thought Boris had done everything possible to win it and it just didn't work out that way for them yeah and even there in the dying minutes they tried to make a last ditch effort but it didn't really work out for them unfortunately but uh, no fair play to the boys uh, they all uh, made a good account of themselves there Seamus Burke was getting plaudits there as well mm. at the cornerback and uh, I should look they'll probably get a, a well deserved rest for a couple of weeks and then we'll see some of them back in with the in maybe round three or round four of the Hurling League in with, uh, with Tipperary yeah, please God, I'd say it'll give Joe Lucknan no fair run for his money inside for the week or two. But, uh, yeah. uh, no, not taken away from Ballyhale. I mean, what a class no, act to, yeah. you know, come back, repeat on that stage, win their seventh in 
how many years and just you know keep doing what they do yeah back to back titles there for Bally Hale and just yeah br- brilliant probably the best club team of all time really yeah probably almost definitely the best club team we've ever seen anyway yeah in our so. time um, on the in the football final Curfin beat Kilku after extra time low scoring affair um, for the most part I have to say I thought Curfin were probably good enough to win it and Kilku were just holding on in normal time uh, uh, yeah they did they just kind of held on in normal time but um, yeah it was poor enough effort there that first half was very dire I think a lot of people tuned out I personally tuned out after the first half but again it's coming like I don't think you should ever play an Ireland club football final after an Ireland club hurling final oh absolutely it should always be played first it's just it's too slow to watch hurling's a much better spectator you know, sport that's the thing when you go from watching if you can watch a football game and then watch a hurling game but when you try to do it the other way around it's, it's a step down yeah. in terms of the entertainment value so I think just for the viewers if nothing the else to play football first probably be better die hard football fans will probably argue that point with us but Oh, they can try they, they, don't wrong, they, like. they don't have an argument anymore I think yeah. they're kind of starting to realise that themselves so. yeah hurling's an amazing sport I mean yeah. you've seen the reaction it gains worldwide when people see it and they're like what is this game this is fascinating and yeah. Gaelic football doesn't get that reaction even yeah. on Sunday there was a lot of football fans who were in for the hurling game I'd say majority of the hurlers were gone for the football, for the football yeah. yeah that's it um, that's not, not taking anything against uh, away from Kilku uh, like no brilliant achievement no by all means but a, ta- a town with what 800 people um, it really was both, both games were diverse collide stuff you yeah know? you know um, I wouldn't say Curfin just kind of put their foot in the throat of, of Kilku in the in extra time I don't think Kilku even got a score in, sec- in extra extra time today uh, it was 1-5 to no score in extra time yeah right? I think so, so. Um, on to national national league action the first round of the national hurling and football leagues will take place this weekend I suppose the big one and one that I will be at myself is the uh, National Hurling League title or league tie between uh, Tipperary and Limerick um, I suppose pride on the line more than anything else Limerick and Tip being won all last year in the championship um, and uh, and Tipperary winning the All-Ireland after losing to him in the Munster final that'll be a that'll be a big one yeah. there brilliant opener yeah yeah Five fifteen on uh, on Saturday evening in Semple Stadium. Um, I suppose two other ties that I looked at as being you know ones to watch in the hurling is Kilkenny and Dublin. Kilkenny, after getting hammered by Wexford in the in the Walsh Cup and, and Dublin, you know wanting to build on last year lost by a point to Galway um, in the Walsh Cup a couple of weeks ago. Um, that would be a close one. And and the other one then is Wexford. Of course, you know after a brilliant year last year, started well so far this year against Leash who you know had an amazing year last year by their standards and they'll want to kick on from that as well so they're the they're my yeah, absolutely Leash there that should be a very interesting game uh, you'd expect Wexford to win but like Leash put up a battle at home in uh, O'Moore Park so we'll um, be having a look at all those um, in the football league we've a, a repeat of last year's All-Ireland final on, uh, on day one Dublin versus Kerry Um Kerry will be out to kind of get kickstart there. Your Dublin will probably do what they do best and rest a few and first uh, test for for Desi as a, as manager. Um, Donegal and Mayo and Galway and Monaghan two other ties that we thought might be um, might be the ones to watch this weekend. Um, but a, a lot of sport to be watched and a lot of um, a lot of football and hurling action. Yeah. It's great to see it com- the competitive action back as well. Uh, yeah, it should be Dublin carried there and uh, Limerick and Tip. They should be two brilliant games over the weekend. Yeah, once to watch, once to watch. Um, moving on to rugby, I suppose we'll start with Heineken Cup action. Um, Leinster topped the pool with uh, with twenty eight points um, from their six games. Incredible to think that they've won all their games, got that many bonus points, and what do they get for it? Is the four times champions Saracens yeah in the quarterfinal who were the third best of the, the runners up like it's just it's the toughest possible draw they could have gotten you know and then Saracens are in like <laughs> turmoil you could call it but still playing well in Europe um, of course the news came out during the week that Saracens have opted for relegation other than showing their full audited reports or uh, accounts to um to the salary cap manager so 
be interesting to see how that works out. Yeah, I'd imagine not very well. Can't imagine them holding on to all their players if they're relegated. Probably be a few will stick around if they're confident they'll get a straight back up, which they probably will. But they they will come straight back up. Well, still lose it, a bit like Juventus a few years ago. What happened to them? Like there was enough players stayed there that they were able to get back up to the top in reasonably good time. Well, what do you do if you're if you're and we'll we'll move on from this fairly quickly. But if you're the uh, RFU and you're the English RFU and you're looking at it from a point of view of you only use players that are based in England for your England squad yet most of the squads in England are already at the salary cap you want your top players to be playing in the Premiership how are you going to sign all those players that have been relegated to the Championship to Premiership clubs yeah that you know, becomes a when, problem because when, foreign clubs will start circling when French te- and French clubs in particular are going to be throwing money at them to go over there you know so um, yeah especially if you're 27, 28, 29 you're kind of looking at the end of your career yeah, yeah you're not willing to give well some players will a lot of players won't be willing to give Saracens the two or three years that it might take to get back up there because mm-hmm. like you say you're then looking at being 31 maybe 32 and yeah, look at look at the, the like name some of them like Farrell, the Vinopolo brothers, Maruatoje. You know they're like, household names like they're top class players that will get into most world teams. You know, so like what do you do with them? Like how how do Saracens Saracens manage that? Like they can, they can't obviously come back up with the same salary they have, so they're going to have to lose players anyway. You know, um, tough one. Um, we we had to go and do a bit of research um, beforehand, but. If Saracens were to win the Heineken Cup this year and now that they're relegated, it wouldn't make any difference. They still wouldn't qualify for the Heineken Cup next year. Which, to me, is probably the first time in in any sport that the returning champions wouldn't be in it. Yeah, I think if it happened under different circumstances, they'd make an exception. But I think with the way it happened, like if they were relegated for rugby reasons... And went on to win the Champions Cup, which is obviously would be a yeah. complete anomaly. I think they'd make an exception, a bit like I mean, we mentioned it. Obviously, it happened to Liverpool when they won the Champions League and finished fifth. Yeah. Um, but like, there's always been some way that they've made an exception to get the champions back into these tournaments. But I think with the circumstances here, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, well, you've got to imagine like the argument is over. You know, should player image rights be part of salaries? And the salary cap manager is saying that they should, whereas Saracens are arguing that it shouldn't, that it's completely separate. I suppose it depends if it's coming through the club. It's coming like if you're club. if you're one of these bigger players and some Nike, Puma, Adidas, mm-hmm. whoever contact you and you work for them and do your sponsorship, that's your own business. But if the club are arranging this routinely, yeah, that's coming through the club. And yeah, I think that it's, has to be it's considered part of your, part of your salary. So. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting a to frail see. argument they call it. it'll be interesting to see whether there's any of the other premiership sides that are caught up in this yeah it's hard to see that there'd only be one considering how how far into it they seem to have gotten yeah if there's if there's someone normally if someone has found a loophole they're all using it yeah so, so let's, let's see how that comes out in the in the wash um, just a, another little bit of news in that came out uh, yesterday Finn Russell has been kicked out of the Scottish squad now we'll be doing a full rundown of the Six Nations and possibilities and squads and all that kind of stuff next week but kicked out for going, Bre- on, going on the piss on, oh, on I Sunday I was going to say breaching disciplinary protocol yeah we're not, we're not going with that he, he went on the piss on Sunday never turned up for training on Monday was told by the coaches that uh, by Gregor Townsend that he could take part in training on Thursday but that he wouldn't be considered for the Irish game, which is the the first game. That was his punishment. And he opted not to and went back to uh, Racing. Yeah, you can't do it. Top-level rugby, you can't do that. Unless not just rugby. Unless you're hurling junior B, like... Exactly, like, this yeah, isn't... You, you, can't, you can't go out on the tear. Like, it's just... You have to turn up to training. This is your job. Simple as that. Well, is, is, it's like going out and not turn up to work. So, in your opinion, is Finn Russell out of order, then, for being given the opportunity to play in the other four games of the Championship and going, no... Nah, you know what, I'm not, I'm going to go, you've done me wrong. Because um, that's the way it comes across. Yeah, it would seem that way. Like, if he was just kicked out of the squad for it, you could nearly say, okay, fair enough, probably slightly harsh, but you want to deter people from doing this no, as we well. Don't, we don't make know, an example of it. We don't know the ins and outs. I mean, a no. punishment for going to piss for missing the Irish game, fair enough. He comes back in for games two through five, Yeah, still have a chance of winning something, you know, 
He However, obviously feels hard done by. He feels he's been wronged in some capacity. Like you said, we don't know what happened behind the scenes, maybe. It'd be strange to think he was out to piss on his own. It would, but I don't know. Maybe they really are. Do you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, like maybe, maybe he was the only one that went out in the piss and didn't show up for training the next morning. Yeah, it's the fact that he didn't turn up for training is the worst part. If he went out, say there was some occasion, and he was like, look, I went out, I didn't drink, I was home in bed by 10 o'clock or something like that, and make training, that's fair enough. But when you don't turn up for training, it's, it's not okay. Like I can say, it's your job. It's like missing work. You're going to get in trouble. Simple as that. You know, yeah. seems like he's after throwing the, throwing the ties out of the permanent. A little bit, yeah. He must feel wronged in some capacity. Otherwise, yeah, why would you decide you're not coming back? doesn't make any sense anyway I'm sure look whatever it is in this day and age it'll wash out anyway we'll we'll hear the true story coming out in the next while anyway yeah but we won't be seeing too much of Finn Russell under Gregor Townsend for the foreseeable future anyway um, in other rugby news Ulster qualified with uh, for the quarterfinals with a win over Bath as the first best runner up and their prize for that is a quarterfinal away to Toulouse in France yeah, nice trip down to the south of France with them. Yeah, uh, you'd have to give Leinster and Ulster a chance. It'd be nice to see a couple of Irish teams get to a semi-final or a final. Uh, Munster, of course, are out. Um, bonus point victory against the Ospreys wasn't enough to keep them in. Just not good enough. They were right. out before kickoff, weren't they? Yes, they were. Yeah. Way, not yeah, other results. Yeah. Other results hadn't gone their way. Uh, just not good enough. You know, not getting the results in Union, not getting the bonus points that they should have been getting them, and like they'll have to learn a harsh lesson throw everything into the Pro 14 basket now and see if they can come out with some bit of silverware but a um, bit of work to be done in the background there uh, moving on we asked ourselves a question how much success is dictated by winning trophies be it by teams in general by player over player you know does does a player need to have trophies to be successful in a sport does a team need to be need to win trophies to be seen as successful you know if you don't win trophies are you unsuccessful in the main yeah it was something we were kind of talking we were looking through quite a few examples there across a few different sports mostly well it was born out it was born out of the Ballyhale yeah so that was what started Ballyhale the probably being the most successful club hurling team uh, of the last of ever really seven um seven national titles um, you've got oodles and oodles of teams that come across of you know dynasties let's call them if they were in if they were yeah, in America they'd be yeah exactly dynasties, you so know? you're looking at the likes of Kilkenny hurling yeah. Real Madrid with their Champions League the last few years and back in the 50s Liverpool and Man United in their respective yeah, years well, of dominance Dublin football recently obviously United for 20 years you know uh, under Alex Ferguson Dublin for the last five years you know teams, yeah. teams that just you know no matter what way you look at them they're successful teams they've won an amount of trophies I guess the question we're asking is can you still be considered successful without that sheer volume of trophy winning yeah give me an example of a team that you would consider to be successful but haven't won that many trophies well I'm a little bit personally biased because two of these are probably two of my favourite teams I've ever watched play football Like the, obviously aside from Liverpool because there's emotional bias there the Netherlands team in 1974 when they lost the World Cup final they went on to lose the World Cup final again in 1978 and right, when they lost in 74 um, in Munich they lost 2-1 and they were one of the best football teams ever this was the original total football team they scored before Germany even touched the ball. Um, Germany equalised through a very soft penalty converted by uh, Paul Breitner, I think. Um, but yeah, that game goes the other way. I think that Netherlands team is regarded as one of the best ever. I think it would be up there with the Brazil team of 1970. That's how highly I think they'd be up there. The other one was Hungary in 1954 amazing 2-0 up in the World Cup final again against West Germany just seemed to spoil the party here Yeah, um, came back to win 3-2 and like that that Hungarian team is very much forgotten even though they were absolutely amazing to watch so like I would think I'd consider them great teams they were brilliant to watch amazing at what they did but but they've no trophies to show for that's the problem and like let's, let's, there let's are come. moments in a final where you have to step up 
something you have to create something in that moment or finish that chance or whatever it is well, and you've seen teams that win trophies do that let's bring it to present day then we, we spoke about we spoke before we came on about Tottenham Hotspur about like losing a Champions League final Pochettino is seen as a great manager yet has no trophy to show for it under his time you know that's the problem like alright brilliant for Tottenham to get to a Champions League final their first in their history huge moment for them that can't be underestimated but and we mentioned Harry Kane a few weeks ago when we were talking about it ourselves can he be considered in the top in the elite quality of European well, striker that, that, without that's trophy? another question that we'll get on to in a minute we'll get, we'll get on to the, the player versus player one um, Atletico Madrid again yeah two Champions League finals in three years four years many league titles have they won in the last ten years Oh, they won that one in 2013-14 I think so. I think that might be the only one they might have another one I could any, be misremembering uh, not off the top of my head they might have won a copy of that Ray or two but again that wouldn't that's the equivalent of the FA Cup so I wouldn't Diego consider Sim- that major in Diego Simeone's time you're looking at it you're looking at three year. four titles alright they won the Super Cup which is a big thing in Spain so recently two trophies in ten years yet they've been there thereabouts can they be seen as successful? Yeah, like they're a brilliant team again, but there's just that lack of it's just trophies, medals, that tangible mm. reward for success. Like I was looking at Juventus there, they've lost five Champions League finals. That's mental. They've won one. Like this is Champions League since 1992. They've yeah. lost seven in total and won two, but since 1992, they've lost five times in the we, Champions League. We've final. got a worse record for you. Go on. One that Dylan dug up for us earlier. Galway. Have played in twenty-five All Ireland finals and only won five. Jesus, that's grim. Imagine that huh? is grim. Like, <laughs> like that's, wow. You know, like I suppose the one the one that hits hardest is is Mayo football in this country. Yeah, that's one that we're all like, very familiar with. I mean, Mayo for Sam is something that annually comes up for yeah, two or three months and then goes away very quickly. They're thereabouts for every one of the last for ten so years, long. you know, and and still haven't won one last three or four. You know, like, can they be considered successful? And in this country, we're we're black or we're black and white. That's it. So they're not. You know. Um, yeah, I've always noticed that. All right, with um, hurling and football, is it's very black and white. Like you win, great. If you lose, it's just. Yeah. I find I've kind of found with soccer that it's more like this. You great teams can still be remembered, even mostly by on people. Well, they will be remembered, but it'll be for their losses. Oh, that's it. Yeah, and and the sheer volume around it. You know, so. Like I, I don't know if you can I'd be on the other side I think I think you have to win some sort of a top trophy to be considered if Mayo had won a trophy if yeah. like they'd won a league right? but if they'd won an All-Ireland trophy in any of those years everyone has said one of the greatest teams of all time to have concept, contested that many yeah. and won one would have been enough but now it's like That's, ah, that you can... know what they punched above their weight they were the nearly men you know it that's it, it the nearly Moshe would have been put on the next level as well if he had a yeah. and title and he's yeah, you know. so. so but then you're on about those n- the nearly men and they just yeah I don't know, history doesn't always favour them too kindly is about all yeah you, sp- you spoke about Harry Kane and I cut across you um, the reason being we look at we look at every sport and you kind of go like it's the best of the best it's the Messi versus Ronaldo it's Jordan versus LeBron it's you know whoever versus whoever yeah. but it's it always comes down to trophies and like you take the LeBron Jordan up LeBron for years was considered inferior to Michael Jordan because mm. he didn't have a ring you know now he has three you know and he's up there in the conversation again yeah he will probably whether he wins another or not go down as having all the records and being the best ever even though if he doesn't win another title he left three less rings than Michael Jordan Messi and Ronaldo you know Messi we've had this argument already on on the podcast so Messi is probably a better footballer but hasn't won anything with Argentina That's whereas problem. Ronaldo single-handedly tore Portugal over the line in, a, in European he, Championships he did but any even though he wasn't on the field for winning it yeah and that's the thing I think with players because you look at some great players that haven't I mean Buffon never won a Champions League Brazilian Ronaldo never won a Champions League like Ibrahimovic never won a Champions League Gerard never won the Premier League yeah there, there's, there's these loads, are there's like undoubtedly world class players and I think that's where someone like Harry Kane might be able to get into that conversation not maybe not the conversation of players on that level but 
he needs to be targeting the likes of Lewandowski. But Lewandowski is in a team where they're going to win trophies all the time. Yeah. You could swap them and Harry Kane is going to win trophies at Bayern Munich. So like, Let's be realistic. If I play up front for Bayern Munich, they're still going to win trophies. Yeah, they're that good. I don't know about that. Trophy. They're going to they're gonna grind out cups and leagues <laughs> regularly. So I think so it's you're, tougher you're, to do it at a team like Tottenham. You were playing up front for our night house team. And, and we're top of the league, so... <laughs> Um, that's a fact lad <laughs> well yeah just on the other side of that there's obviously a few teams that get you know they get very well remembered in history because they've won trophies even ones that you could say I don't want to say they didn't deserve but because it was a, an outlier the likes of I looked at Denmark when they won the Euros Yeah, they didn't qualify no they only got in because because of the Yugoslav war and Yugoslavia yeah. got kicked out so like and, and again, that team is remembered so greatly, and they didn't even qualify for the Euros. Yeah, imagine England's team in two thousand and eight being remembered so greatly. All you can see is Scott Carson leaving the ball slip through his hands. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's hard to know. Like, uh, ask the Harry Qu- Harry Kane question again, right? Mm. Harry Kane, if he does, like, if he gets into Premier League player or team of the year for the next ten years running, and blah blah blah, and he he wins scoring titles or whatever. Is that good enough to have him in the conversation for being a really successful player? Or does he have to win a trophy? Does he have to go? I can, think can, 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 he like, can enter the conversation. Like if he sees out his days at Spurs, hmm. he's going to be a god there if he does. Um, I think he he's needs to... in his own house. Yeah, like. He needs to get past probably Alan Shearer's 260 Premier League goals. If he gets past that all-time leading Premier League goal scorer, you're in that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, but it's hard to imagine a player holding that record and never winning a trophy. Even Shearer, and he didn't have the most trophy-laden career, won the league with Blackburn. Uh, he had a couple of FA Cup finals then with Newcastle that he lost. Yeah. Should have won another league with Newcastle. Won an Intertoto Cup as well, just to throw that one in there. Like, anyone that's listening to us probably doesn't know what the Intertoto Cup is. Not, to be honest nobody did the time either it made no sense <laughs> you could have three winners in one year it was madness so what we're basically saying the trophies help but it's not yeah. the be all and end all but with players with players definitely because mm. you can be a great player and average look at Matt Letizia. like he was, yeah. I don't think he ever won a trophy and he was probably never going to but yeah. he never wanted to leave Southampton and he loved it and he stayed there but in order to be a Gerard not winning the league same thing Buffon at Juventus with the yeah. Champions League yeah I hear you but I think with teams, I think it's very harsh that that Netherlands team and that Hungary team are probably less remembered than that Denmark team that failed to qualify for Euro 92. I know I'm really kind of being harsh on what is it, one of the most miraculous footballing stories in history that they won it. But mm-hmm. like, I could say the same thing for Liverpool's team in 2005. They won the Champions League. You look at that team on paper. That was an average team. It was an absolute freak of a game that they won it. Yeah. Now, they did well to get there, beating Chelsea and Juventus, but there's no way that team was better than the Liverpool team of three years ago, or three years beforehand, that is remembered for absolutely nothing. They came second in the league. They were on the back of winning the treble. Gerard Houllier had his fam- famous 10 games from greatness quote. They went on to like draw four of the next six or something and lose the league. And that was a far better team than the Liverpool team that won the Champions League. Yeah, but again... And it's so much more fondly remembered. It is, but like it's Jimmy Traore was starting in that team. It's down to circumstance as well. It is, but um, like that's that's kind of the whole point of the debate is: does that trophy make that team better than the Liverpool team of three years before, which came second in the league, had just gotten into the Champions League, and was on the back of winning a cup treble the year before? It doesn't make them better, but it makes them more successful. Yeah. So, and like that Chelsea team that won the Champions League, that was just a travesty under Di Matteo yeah that was really just a case of batting down the hatches and they just kind of got away with it against Barcelona in the semi yeah. and then against Bayern Munich if this current Liverpool team win the league will that make them a, a, a great team I think this Liverpool team is a great team but whether it'll go down in history as one of the best you're looking at being, co- being compared to like the Invincibles obviously to do that have to remain unbeaten for the season United's yeah. treble winning team like that's where the bar is set Mourinho's Chelsea Guardiola's 100 points Man City like Liverpool it's like if you imagine being 10 years into the future looking back Liverpool have won the Champions League 
looks like they're going to win the league this season if they could maybe I don't know retain the Champions League or something this year on top of winning the league yes you're in that conversation oh, but if they could win the league again maybe retain it another year again you're in that conversation but if they only win if the they only win this the one year, I, yeah I think it'll be see nothing for another four even or five if years. they break all the records which it looks they've already broken I've lost count of how many records throughout clean sheet everything but if they go on and get 105 points say if they beat City's 100 points go the season unbeaten I think if they turn around and finish fourth next season I don't think history's going to look back on this Liverpool team as being one of the best ever even though in terms of the records and the numbers and everything it's looking I think I think purely even like the Liverpool propaganda train like because it's one of the most successful clubs in the world yeah over time like it will go down like I don't know I feel like they'll have to do more than win I the league this year to do I think yeah but again they, if they win a Champions League that'll be two Champions Leagues in a row oh yeah no, that's what I'm if, saying if, if they that do happens. that one more big trophy in that you mm. enter that conversation because then looking back at history there's three large trophies going to Liverpool in a close period of time yeah. that's when people look at it but people don't look at Liverpool's team in 2002 because there's no trophy there yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see how it plays out it's like, um, in, it's like in Harland and football you kind of have to do it over the course of a few number of years yeah. to be considered great yeah. like Limerick won the All-Ireland there but unless they do something like that again that, that team isn't going to be considered That's great it. we're all saying that they have to back it up and you mm. have to sustain that success to enter into I mean again to look at that, that list of teams that we have like Ballyhale Kilkenny Real Madrid Dublin football AC Milan mm. these periods of dominance Liverpool and Man United over decades each yeah, you don't you don't become a dynasty without winning. No, two no, or three, like you know, so. Leicester City. We're not going to look back at them as being one of the greatest teams, one of the greatest stories. Yes, but yeah. it'll be more of a story like Leicester managed. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It was just an outlier. It was never going to be anymore. Same as same as Blackburn Rovers back in the day. Yeah, um, they went on to get relegated. Yeah, that's something we might revisit in. Uh, <laughs> In June, after the Champions League and league titles, or in about forty years, we can have that conversation again. Trophy. Um, I suppose one one final sports story that kind of stuck out to me before we uh, move on to your your story of the week, uh, Joe um, McGregor. Yeah, McGregor wins in forty seconds. Yeah, I went to watch it the, mo- the morning after. I didn't stay up for it. Yeah, and I just saw it. It a full fight video, and it was yeah. four I minutes see, long. I and they did all the intros video and everything. in someone's uh, Instagram story. They just <laughs> recording, and the next thing, the fight was over. Like, uh, yeah, um, yeah, for, forty seconds. Um, TKO over Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Like, you got you got a feel for a cowboy. Like it was. Oh yeah. He just got attacked from the very first time. This the second the, the bell rang and four shoulder things that nobody to the face as well though. yeah like he's a he's a broken nose probably a broken eye socket just the way his eye so, uh, swelled up then that kick to the head and I think it was kind of curtains after that right? oh it was it? Like, there was no recovery Herb Dean could have called it 10 seconds early he just didn't want to you could see he was tempted to yeah he wanted to he make sure Cowboy got every chance to get up you know um, I suppose over the next over the coming weeks we'll be inundated with the old jet lag getting with to the yeah. with uh, with suggestions of who um, McGregor should uh, fight next. Um, Katie Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> She'd probably put up a better fight oh, than uh, than Cowboy anyway. Um, you're looking at names that are in the hat there. You know, Nate Diaz is there. Khabib, um, Jorge Masvidal, uh, Usman. Like, there's loads of names there. Everyone looking to call him out and make their few quid, but. Yeah, he's box office. Like he brings the headlines. He yeah. brings the money. The headlines. Box it, office. it won't be Khabib. Khabib, unless unless Tony Ferguson calls off injured for their title fight, their lightweight title fight. Yeah. Um, and even at that, if the if that fight goes ahead, the earliest he'll get to fight Khabib or Ferguson is probably August, which means he's got a fight in between that. Yeah, he probably have one in between. Which means so. it's probably looking more like a, a Jorge Masvidal now that Usman is injured. So um, again, we can we can revisit that down the line. But uh, great to see him back on the winning trail. I, I mean, he has his haters in the country, but you always like to see an Irishman do well. Ah, uh, yeah. Like I say, he's entertaining if nothing uh, else. And he seem, you can guarantee that much. Of he him. seems to be apologetic, be it real or real or not. He seems to be apologetic for his actions, and maybe we're seeing the start of a new McGregor. 
Mm. Yeah, seen an RT <laughs> journalist uh, quizzed him about his actions. And he did. He genuinely seemed apologetic. Like most lads would have walked away from the question. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he, he, I see. I see. He's got Tony Robbins in his corner. Mind guru Tony Robbins, who's not cheap. Like he could have been paying half a million for Tony Robbins to be in his corner for the fight, but pocket change out of the the purse he got for the fight. Ah, uh, nobody believes he's getting eighty million. Like that was just a number he threw out. Like by the time all said and done, he probably end up with forty to fifty million. Still, no small change. Yeah, it's not a bad forty seconds uh, work. Like yeah, I know yeah. But it's obviously the camps and the training, everything goes into it, obviously. A million per second. Yeah. You wouldn't um, mind getting his 10%, would you? <laughs> that's our that's our sports roundup for the week. Joe, your topic this week is on a guy called Dieter Muller. Yes. I've got to say I know nothing about Dieter Muller. A lot and of people don't, and it's understandable. The first I heard of him was when I was writing him down in my notes for tonight's show. Yeah, that's fair. Show. That's fair. Absolutely so, no fault there. tell us about Dieter. So, right, this is... As anyone who's probably listened to my uh, my own segments, there's just little football oddities and interesting stories from history that a lot of people might have forgotten. Some of them you might have heard of, but this one, Dieter Muller, um, born on April Fool's Day in 1954. Uh, he was born Dieter Castor, and he um, changed his changed his second name when his stepfather adopted him. But he, his birth father was a professional footballer as well. Uh, played for St. Pauli and Kickers Offenbach. Sorry if there's any mispronunciation there to any Germans listening. Um, and that's where Dieter started his career. Um, so he went on to have most of his success at Cologne, where he played for quite a few years, large part of his career, I think 12 years. But he was called up to the Euro squad for West Germany in 1976 and yet to make his debut. Uh, Germany made their way to the semi-finals and found themselves behind against Yugoslavia and they brought Dieter Muller off the bench and he scored to bring the game to extra time where he went on to score two more times to get a hat-trick in the semi-final of the Euros on his international debut Jesus so second appearance he was rewarded with a start in the final where he scored Uh, now they lost they lost on penalties and um Interestingly, the man who scored the winning penalty, I think I mentioned it to you earlier, Dylan. Do you know the name? I won't insult it by mispronunciating. Penenka. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the same game that that. Gotcha. That Antonin Penenka scored the first. The first. Well, Penenka. the first notable Penenka penalty to chip okay. down the middle, which is now associated with his name. So in the Euro yeah, in 76. 76. Dieter Muller scored in that game to score four and become the top scorer for the tournament. With only two caps to his name. He was the top scorer in Euro 76. That's fair going. Uh, He went back to Cologne then, or back to, yeah, Cologne then afterwards. And he set a goal-scoring record, which has not been matched yet in Germany, even by Lewandowski. Six goals in a game. It was 1977. They won 7-2 against Werder Bremen. He scored six goals in the one game. Still still stands as a Bundesliga record. Go away. Yeah. You'd have thought with how dominant Munich were that surely Lewandowski has he scored five in a game Lewandowski? Five goals in nine minutes he has Jesus. in one game which is okay. absurd I must have watched it 600 times since it's, it it's a it's big amazing. record there's not too many people it's that have scored six record. goals in a game Six goals in the one game no one's ever done it at the Premier League That's That was going to be my yeah. next question um, But yeah after that, those were kind of his two most mo- notable moments in history he only went on to have 12 caps for Germany Scored nine times. Nine times. Now, how he didn't get more caps scoring at a rate yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he played out his days in Switzerland and France, and he is still living in Germany to this day, as far as I know. Did he play in the 78 World Cup? I don't think so, no. That was it, like, I was wondering just did his cap come and qualify? What did you say? He had five in his first two, wasn't it? Four in his first two. Four in his first so two. So he went on to play ten more times and score five goals. Just still a goal every other game. Yeah. yeah. Used to be the mark for world class striker before Messi and Ronaldo broke everything. Yeah, we'd we'd love someone that could score that many goals in that many games for Ireland, wouldn't we? Yeah, it'd be lovely. But yeah, just uh, he's kind of been forgotten by footballing history just for the fact that he didn't last very long in the lot in the limelight. But he'll have two notable moments to look back on. Very good, very good. Um, it's good. Thanks for that, Joe. You're welcome. Any time. Yeah, it's it's it's. Um they're interesting stuff. I'll try and keep them interesting. Every day, every day is a school day. Exactly. We might, uh, we might try and get something other than football for uh, 
another week but you, you keep can you can try you're more than welcome to <laughs> moving uh moving on to uh to dylan's bamboozle quiz show taking the internet by storm so it is so uh, i hear yeah there's rumors so it's trending on twitter there yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm on a I'm on a fair losing streak here. Yeah, let's hope it continues. So last uh, last the last two. Um, uh, the questions the questions just aren't in your favour. They're not suiting me. They're not suiting me. Um, yeah. So if um, Dylan has a, if anyone hasn't been listening, it, there's a three questions each uh, for myself and Joe. Um, and it's just mainly for bragging rights really yeah Dylan comes up with the questions so we have no idea what we're getting I think last week was soccer jerseys wasn't it so that was that was a good topic for me yeah um, it's liable to be anything with you it could be cycling or golf I don't know so. well no this week no it's just a mixed bag a mixed oh bag. a mixed bag sure. uh, like better. a pick and mix uh, that could be that could be good <laughs> that could be good and bad for us so uh, no next week now we'll probably team it up uh, Six Nations are starting so we might we might do a rugby team one next week so oh no I Jake. better win this one so we get one more ahead <laughs> if, if I lose this one I might have a chance next up. week so um, possibly we'll see we'll see we'll see yeah. we'll see what Wikipedia gives me as, uh, as champion Joe you get your choice would you like to go first or last Oh, I get a choice this time. Yeah, I'll go first, Man just because I've been first all the time. So <laughs> um, it's not broke. Right, Joe, you'll you'll enjoy this one. I'd say. Um, so, Joe, uh, why was a referee given medical attention at the Master Snooker Tournament in Alexandra Palace? Was this recent? This is just during the week. Yeah. Oh, the referee at a snooker match was given medical attention. Yeah. What could have possibly arisen? Um, did he break his finger? Unfortunately not, no. Uh, he was stung by a wasp, <laughs> would you believe? Wow. I suppose yeah. to hear about that. Was, was he allergic? Uh, the, the article didn't say, no, but it just said he, uh, he had received treatment for a, a wasp sting. Fair enough. So, yeah, that's Some excitement uh, at the snooker. That was a good one. I it was, that. yeah. No points for you, Joe, unfortunately. That's all right. Uh, James, uh, your first question. Uh, so, young Conor McGregor was uh, back in action there uh, during the weekend. But before that win, when did he last win a fight in <laughs> both USC or boxing? 2016. Exactly. Go on, James. Oh, only a year. Up. That's very vague now. Just saying. One up. <laughs> hey don't worry about I it I wouldn't be a bitter man like, no against uh, Nate Diaz if I remember correctly don't worry about it Joe here's a question for you now but, uh, so Joe uh, we were only actually talking about this but uh, Aguero is now the top scoring foreign player in the Premier League history but he is still below three Englishmen Shearer Rooney and who Andy Cole Andy Cole brilliant Joe what yeah. a piece one apiece, uh, James. Kind of, he kind of played into his hands with that one. Seen as uh, sure. like he was like Jimmy McGee over there when it comes to soccer stats. Like, uh, sure, you had the you had the McGregor one. Sure, <laughs> yeah, exactly, James. Um, like one. And here's a gal one for you. No, not as handy, but your look. Um, only one county has appeared in more than one All Ireland final, um, and lost on each occasion. What county? Hurling or football? Hurling. Sorry, didn't I say that? Sorry. Hurling. Only one county has appeared in more than one All-Ireland hurling final and lost on each occasion. Waterford. No, it wouldn't. It would be uh, Antrim in 1943 and 1989. So it's one apiece going into final round. Uh, Joseph, this is a question for you, boy. Uh, can you name the stadium of the San Francisco 49ers? Like the short answer is no, but I'm going to give it a guess. Go on. The. Is that the Mitsubishi Arena? No, unlucky. Uh, James. That would be the one. Levi Stadium. Ah, Levi Stadium. It's uh, formerly known as Candlestick Park. Yes, you've told me that before. <laughs> as well, <actually. laughs> Remember, as soon as you said Candlestick Park, I was like, yeah, he's told me that before. 
So James, James for the win. Oh, a chance at retribution here. This is James pressure on you know, boy. Um, right, bit of calm, please. James, can you name the stadium of the Tennessee Titans? No. Ah, uh, James. Would you even give it a guess? It's, it's in Nashville, in Tennessee. Swear to God, if this is the Mitsubishi Stadium, no, <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not coming to me. The Nissan Nissan Stadium. <laughs> Another Japanese. I can't name a third of a point for that, can I? Uh, unfortunately not. Well, have we a tiebreaker? No, there's no tiebreaker. Unfortunately, boys. We call it a draw, though. Fair enough. Brilliant going, lads. Fair play, chief. Good questions there, Dylan. Fair play. I particularly yes. enjoyed the snooker one and the uh, Antrim one. <laughs> pulling up an All-Ireland hurling final from during World War II. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, sure, we were a neutral country, sure. Why wouldn't we be playing hurling? <laughs> Let's not get political here now if we can. Um, yeah, so I'm going to have to try and uh, make a reappearance next week with a victory. Um, yeah, we know. might team next week's one to the All Six Nations. I know, there's no need for that now. See if I have time to brush up on my, my rugby knowledge. Our last segment of the podcast is what we always finish on. It is our Take 5. Take 5 is obviously the segment where you, the listener, can go on to our social media channel and put your results in in the five games we've picked that will take place this weekend. Um, put your scores in and test your knowledge against uh, our three panellists here. And obviously if you get all of the questions correct and all of the results correct, then you will win a sideline cut beanie. Um, so this week's games, first game is one we've sp- spoken about already, is Coventry versus Birmingham in the FA Cup. Coventry playing at home in Birmingham Stadium. Yeah, St Andrews. Um, what have we gone for here, lads? I've gone for uh, Birmingham away win, 3-1, in their own backyard. I'm actually going for 3-2 to Birmingham myself. And uh, yourself, Dylan? I'll change it up, lads. I'm going to go for Coventry to win 2 1. Very good. Uh, no logic behind it, but sure. <laughs> um, our, se- our second game of the week is Tipperary uh, All Ireland Hurling Champions versus Limerick National Hurling League Champions in the first round of National Hurling League. Uh, it is in Semple Stadium on Saturday evening at 5 o'clock. Um, I've gone for a Tipperary victory 224 to 319. Yeah, I've gone tip as well. I've gone 318. To, oh. What have I written down? My handwriting has gone dodgy. Yeah, 318 to 220. Sorry, I couldn't read my own writing there. And I've gone in favour of tip. Uh, Tipperary 2.23 to Limerick 1.24 Tip wins across the board so yeah, glad to see glad to see we're all thinking on the same page there uh, if I um, thought that far ahead I'd have mixed it up Game 3 is a repeat of last year's All-Ireland football final uh, where Dublin and Kerry play each other um, I've gone for a Kerry win by 16 points to 15 um, I've gone for Dublin Dublin to win 18 points to 15 I have Kerry down to win 117 to 213 This is the first time now it's been so mixed lads It's great to see it Yeah the lack of Premier League action just kind of mixed up our hands a little bit yeah. and uh, We're going back to the, the FA Cup for Game 4 It is a Bottom of the Premier League versus top of the Championship clash. We're looking at West Ham versus West Brom. David Moyes in badly, badly needs a victory. West Brom flying high on the top of the Championship at the moment. Um, what are we going for here? Um, I am going for 3-2 West Brom. Slight upset, but I think just the momentum of where they're in the Championship will swing in their favour against what could be a struggling struggling West Ham team just to focus on the Premier League uh, I've gone for the opposite I reckon West Brom have uh, they're looking to win that title there so uh, West Ham 2 West Brom 1 
And I'm actually going for a clear win for West Brom, 4-1 over West Ham. Again, I'm on the same page as you. I think Moyes needs to concentrate on uh, on winning the uh, or staying winning on staying up in the Premier League more so than winning an FA Cup. So, um, our last game of the weekend is the LA Lakers versus the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I've gone for a Lakers win, 115 to 96. Bit of a blowout there, lads. Any thoughts? Uh, I gone for the Lakers there as well, uh, hundred and fourteen to one hundred and eight. And Joe, I've gone for Lakers as well, but one hundred and six to ninety-three. As always, our scores shall be up on our social media pages. If you would like to take part, go on to at sideline underscore cut on Twitter or Instagram and give us your score lines for those games this weekend. We're also available at the Sideline Cut on Facebook. Um, if there's anything you took issue with on our podcast this week or anything you'd like us to talk about or uh, anything like that, any topics or historical stories you'd like us to bring up, then by all means get in touch at any of our social media handles. That's at Sideline underscore Cut, at the Sideline Cut, and sport at the Sideline Cut dot com. Um, that's it for this week. From me, James me Joe and for myself Dylan thanks for listening cheers take care sound lads thanks very much